so glad that you're here today. Let's get right into message time. Did a little research recently on phobias. You ever researched those? Just, just Google phobia sometime and see what you get. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. I found a few that I thought I'd just throw out. We do a little uh, a pop test this morning. I want you to tell me whether this is a real phobia or a fake one, okay? Everybody with me? Then we'll throw it out there, you tell me. Agoraphobia, is that the real deal? Or? That's real, isn't it? It's the fear of open spaces. People, agoraphobes, sometimes can't even go outside the house, all right? How about angoraphobia? Is that a real one or a fake one? It's the fear of soft, fuzzy sweaters. Is that real or fake? <laughs> it's fake, okay? <laughs> Made that one up. How about claustrophobia? Is that a real one? Yeah, it's the fear of being stuck in a closed space. How about catastrophobia? Is that a real one? It's the fear of being stuck in the parking lot with one of them big white hands on your hand. That's what that... That's a fake one. How about gymnophobia? Fake? Real? What? Spelled G-Y-M. Gymnophobia. It is the fear. I kid you not. It's real. It is the fear of being seen naked in public. I don't know if that comes from seventh grade gym class. I don't know where that comes from. But it's the reason that none of us drive a car with holes on our underwear. Am I right? That's what mama taught us. Not to be confused with pastor gymnophobia. Real or fake? It's very real. I'll tell you more about that during sermon time this morning. Fact is, we all have fears. Can I get an amen in the house? Some of those fears are good. They keep you from doing really stupid stuff, right? But others are debilitating. Some fears just kind of shut us down. We cannot accomplish even the things that we want to accomplish. We can't step outside our comfort zone, and ultimately they hold us back from God's best. And so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning, if that's worth your time, stick around, okay? We're in a series, for those of you that are new, we're calling At the Cross, and what we've been doing is kind of preparing our hearts for Easter, preparing our lives for Easter. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 27. If you brought a Bible, an iPad, a smartphone, you can look that up, or you can go to the, to the Bible app, the Version Bible, on your smartphone, your device, and, uh, and go to events and click Goldsboro, and you can follow along with all the scriptures that I'm going to share with you this morning. If you want a manuscript, of the message, just email us at info at bridgechurch.cc, request Goldsboro, and you'll get a manuscript of today's message. If you want to tweet something or Facebook something, use hashtag uh, at the cross, and, uh, and I'll challenge you when you get home this afternoon to search hashtag at the cross, and you'll see what people all across our campuses in all of our services today are seeing and what God is saying to them. You can share those things with one another. Okay, you ready to get into it? We're looking at the key players and some of the attitudes that were demonstrated at the cross in Matthew chapter 27, that original time when Jesus, of course, gave his life for us. But more importantly, we're asking ourselves, if we see ourselves and any of those attitudes in ourselves, and before we leave here today, we're leaving them at the cross. We're making sure that we lay those things down so that when we come to Easter celebration service and we're here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, our hearts are open and free to enjoy what God has for us today. Let me mention quickly, uh, you saw the video about the invite cards. The ushers will have some at the door. We printed 7,500 of them and we're running out. So if you don't have any, stop by. The ushers will try to give you some. Uh, we are having three services that weekend. Thursday night at 7 o'clock, Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, and I'm going to ask all of you that are part of the church family to attend two of them, okay? I want you to worship in one of them and serve in another, 
Will you do that? Do your heads like this. Come on. Do your heads like this. Say, so I'll help out that day because we're expecting a lot of first-time guests, a lot of people here. We want to put our best foot forward. So tell me now that you're willing to worship in one and serve in another. Can I get an oh me or an amen or a I'll do my best out of you? Amen. All right, I like that one. So far, we've looked at self-righteous religious leaders. We've looked at hypocritical Pharisees. Today, we're looking at Pilate, that lily-livered, cowardly Roman governor of Judea at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. Pilate was a politician in the worst definition of the word. He didn't care about Jesus. He didn't care about the people that he led he didn't care about anything except the political implications of the decisions that he made that's all he cared about he cared about his career and where his career was going to take him so picture it with me uh, maybe you've heard this story before maybe you haven't but picture it with me here's Pilate the Roman governor with all his pomp and circumstance standing here with Jesus right in front of him facing him and a crowd behind screaming at Pilate crucify him crucify him, kill him, execute him. Understand, I told you in the first message in the series, the religious leaders of the day didn't like the fact that people were starting to follow Jesus, and they were losing some of their stranglehold on the people, but they didn't have the authority to execute him, so they brought him to Pilate to try to get Pilate to do it. Here's the problem. Pilate couldn't find any reason to do it. Jesus was innocent. He hadn't done anything that deserved execution. So here's Pilate. Jesus is here. The crowd is there. They're saying, execute him in the worst possible way, crucifixion. And he's going, ah, but, but I can't find anything wrong with the guy. And add to that, his wife warned him to leave him alone. Matthew 27, 19. While Pilate was sitting there on the judge's seat, his wife sent a message to him, don't do anything to that man because he is innocent. So, on the one hand, he's got an innocent man and his wife warning him to leave him alone. On the other hand, the pressure is building on the political side to appease the crowd. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could do nothing about this and that a riot was starting, he took some water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. And then he said, I'm not guilty of this man's death. You are the ones that are causing it. In other words, instead of doing the right thing, setting an innocent man free, he gave in to his fears and did the cowardly thing, right? Everybody say coward together. Coward, good. But before we give Pilate too hard a time, all of us have been in those places where we had to choose between the right thing or the popular thing. Amen. Come on. All of us have been in those places where we knew the thing we should be doing, but fear rose up and we found ourselves going, am I going to do the courageous thing here or am I going to do the cowardly thing? We've all been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Can I get an amen to that one? We all have. Fact is, those, those, those kinds of questions are part of the human equation for us all. I think that's why the first words that Jesus uttered after his resurrection when he came out of the tomb, did anybody know what his first words were? Don't be afraid. Because he understands it's part of the human condition. He even knows that some fears are healthy, but he does not. He does not. Jesus does not want your life defined by fear. He doesn't want fear to stop you from doing everything he puts you on this planet to do 
He doesn't want fear to stop you from the abundant life that he's promised you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 tells the truth. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. question is, how do we face the stuff that life throws at us in faith instead of fear? How do you get there? We all know this. We're all agreeing that we struggle with this, but how do you break free? You can find the answer in one simple verse of Scripture written by a man who knew this struggle as well as we do. His name was David. He lost this battle many times in his life and felt the pain of having lost this battle, but he always came back to this simple truth, Psalm 34, verse 4, key verse for the whole passage today, the whole message today. Here's what David said, 1, 2, 3, read it with me. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. What's the answer to overcoming the spirit of fear? It's not psychological. Thank God for psychologists and what they do for us, but that's not the answer. It's not physiological. Thank God for doctors and nurses and healthcare providers and, and the things that they do for us, but that's not the answer. What's the answer? The answer is spiritual. The answer is something deep down inside of us, in our spirit. In fact, the answer isn't in it at all. It's a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. If you really want to overcome the fears that are holding you back, the answer is to seek the one who can help. The answer is to go deep into him and build a deep, defining, life-defining relationship with him. The answer is to put him at the center of your life. The answer is to learn his promises and then Learn to trust his promises. Guys, David did not say, I sought relief from my fears, and along the way I found the Lord. That's not what he said, is it? What did he say? I sought the Lord, and in the process, he replaced my spirit of fear with the spirit of love and of power and a sound mind. Guys, your problem is not just fear. Your problem is the spirit of fear because there are lots and lots and lots of fears. I read a survey the other day. It said 500 people were surveyed and they discovered 7,000 fears in those 500 people. That's an average of 14 apiece. How many you got? I got a bunch. We all have to deal with it. It's part of the human equation. So the answer is not to address each individual fear because you lay that one down guess what two or three more will just pop up the answer is addressing the spirit of fear and you do that by seeking the lord what i want to do in the few minutes we've got this morning is i want to just point out three fears that are common to all of us but more importantly i want to prom i want to point out who god is in the midst of those fears and my hope my prayer is that you'll learn his promise that's related to those fears, and then you'll begin to trust those promises. And when we leave here today, we'll begin replacing the spirit of fear with the spirit of love and the spirit of power, the spirit of a sound mind. Let's get into it. And uh, the three fears I want to talk to you about is the fear of the future that we all dread and wonder about, the fear of failure that we all struggle with, the fear of inadequacy. What if life throws stuff at me that I can't do anything with what am i going to do let's look at three promises of god in the face of those fears worth a few minutes of our time thank you for saying that i don't know what else i'd talk to you about if you'd said no <laughs> promise number one 
God has promised to direct me when I'm uncertain. God has promised to direct me when I'm uncertain. I start with this one because the truth is an awful lot of fears that we face in our lives come from uncertainty about what's going to happen next. Am I right? I mean, what's going to happen? Uh, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know who I'm going to be doing it with. We start thinking, how should I act when I don't know what the future holds? What should I do? How will I cope? What, what problems will I face? And will I have answers to those problems? Will those problems be more than I can take? All of that uncertainty together kind of shuts us down because it stirs up these fears inside of us. Now, you add to that, the one thing you can be certain about in the future is there's going to be decisions to make. Well, what if I make the wrong decision? What, what, if I, what if I choose the wrong path? Can we just admit it? Life is complex these days. Is it true? There's just so many nuances and complexities that we all have to deal with. Sometimes we come to forks in the road, and we have no idea which fork to take. Do I take this job or, or that job? Do I buy that house or do I keep renting? Do I, do I get married or do I stay single? I, I had a tough one last month. It was Kim and I's 41st wedding anniversary, and I, have to I had to decide whether to buy her jewelry or that new 60-inch flat-screen TV that I really wanted or that she really wanted. <laughs> tough decisions that we have to make in life. Come on. Uh, by the way, just so you'll know, we did neither one. We went to dinner and celebrated our 41 years. <laughs> You can imagine, those of you that are part of the church family, you can imagine the decisions that, that uh, the senior leadership and the elders of our church have been wrestling with as it relates to the future since Pastor Farrell told us a month ago now, four weeks ago, that uh, God's timing for him to leave has come and he'll be leaving us in June. You can imagine the kinds of uncertainty that that created for us as leaders. I mean, who's going to be our next lead pastor? Where, where are we going to find uh, that next lead pastor? How, how long will the search process take i mean it became very clear early on in the process that it's going to take time to find the next lead pastor we put an ad out on monday for, uh, just onto a uh, to a website called churchstaffing.com we've gotten more than a hundred resumes in already in the first week i mean it's going to be a very difficult daunting task to hear the voice of God and know what to do. And so one of the decisions we made very early on is we, we need to take our time with this one. We don't need to rush this one. And so, In fact, in order to give us time, the elders and the senior leadership team this past week made the decision that we need to establish an interim senior pastor for a season to give us plenty of time to do this search. And, and I have the honor, they've asked me to serve as the interim senior pastor of the bridge. And what an amazing honor that's going to be, and I've accepted that role. But it raised a whole other set of questions. Well, what happens to the Goldsboro campus? We all know when I came here that it was an interim role here, but, but we got to be sure we're providing for the Goldsboro campus. Can I get an amen in the house for that one? But this campus is as important as any other campus in the Bridge Ministries. We're as committed to meeting this campus needs as we are all the others. So a whole other set of questions. Hear, hear me. All I'm saying is this. I don't know what the future holds, but I trust what God said about the future. And here's what he said. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You might be familiar with it. Let's all read it together. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. What's going to happen? I don't know. But I trust that God will guide my steps if I put my trust in Him. So where do you go when you have decisions like that to make? Time magazine? 
Cosmo? I mean, where do you go? You call the psychic hotline, ask them? Oh, no way, they went bankrupt, didn't they? You would think they would have seen that coming. I don't... <laughs> Just saying. You open a fortune cookie and see what it says? Last church that I served, I was at dinner with some of the pastors one day at a Chinese restaurant, and I opened up my fortune cookie, and it said, you will be leaving your position soon. Associate pastor sitting beside me opened his fortune cookie, and he said, you'll be promoted soon. I said, forget about it. <laughs> Not going to happen, brother. I mean, all that sounds silly in terms of a source of information, but do you know that that is a multi-million dollar growth industry in America? Advertisers are counting on our fears of the future to feed that stuff. It's all built on the backs of the spirit of fear. Hear me. The spirit of fear only dissolves when you recognize and internalize. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds it, and I trust him. Maybe, maybe it's hard. For you to trust him maybe your view of god has been cosmic policeman that's ready to get you when you do something wrong maybe your view of god has been the unpleasable parent you get a b plus they want to know why you didn't get an a minus you get an a minus why didn't you get an a what's wrong with you i mean so, some of us we kind of superimpose those images on god and so when we think about trusting him with our future it can be scary so let me just tell you three things about god as quickly as i can to maybe help you to trust him with your future. Truth number one is God knows everything about what? Everything. <laughs> God knows everything about everything. Got a Hallmark card one time. The outside of it says, God knows everything about you. I opened it up and the caption said, kind of scary, huh? <laughs> it can be overwhelming to think about, but let me illustrate it this way. Imagine that you got an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl parade and when you got there, they said, oh, by the way, we have given you tickets to ride in the blimp. And so you get in the blimp, and you go up, and you see the parade. Will you see the parade differently than the people that are on the side of the road at ground level? Do your heads like this. You will, won't you? What will you see differently? They will see the float in front of them, the float that just passed, and the float that's coming. That, that's what they're going to see. What will you see? You'll see the first float down there, and you'll see the last float down there all at the same time hear me that's how god sees your life he knows everything about you the good the bad and the ugly why is that important because god is never surprised he never panics he never goes well shazam i didn't see that coming <laughs> he knows okay Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before his eyes. Truth number two, God has great plans for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to what? Give you hope and a future he's not that unpleasable parent he is not that cosmic policeman that's trying to get you he's a loving father who wants good things for his kids 
God has a plan for your life. It's a good plan. It's a plan that gives you hope for a brighter future. He has a plan for our church. He already knows what the future holds, and he has this plan. He has a plan for Pastor Farrell and Miss Millie who feel the lead to, to go and find another place of ministry. God has a plan. He knows it all, and it's an amazing plan that he has for all of us. There is no conflict between his plan for each of us as individuals and his plan for our church family. We are all in this together, loved by the same Heavenly Father, which leads me to basic truth number three. God gives me freedom of choice. But he guides my choices. You want to say the last phrase with me? When I let him. Hear me. God is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. He is not the puppet master who's pulling the strings, making you do things. He has given you freedom of choice. Why did he do that? Because he wants a real relationship with you. And the only way he can have a real relationship with you is if you have the chance to choose it or not choose it. Is that right? Yeah. So he's given us freedom of choice, but he will guide our choices. He will somehow, it's part of his genius that blows me away every time I think about it. He gives us freedom of choice to make whatever decisions we choose to make, not free from the consequences of our choices, but we're free to choose. And yet somehow he superintends all of those choices to bless us ultimately. How do I know that? Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 9. We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? Verse 29, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. You know what that says to me? It says to me that God sees my life like you would see the Rose Bowl parade from the blimp. He sees it all. And even if I miss out somewhere along the way on God's perfect will for my life, people live in this stress of, oh, I want to do God's perfect will. Even if I miss it, he has this amazing way of weaving even that into this pattern for good in our lives. All we have to do is love him back and conform to the likeness of his son. You know what God's will is for your life, guys? Can I tell you in a single sentence what God's will is for your life. People come to me as a pastor all the time and they say, Pastor Jim, I don't know whether to take this job or that job. I don't know whether to live in this town or that town. I don't know whether to do this or do that. I just want to know God's perfect will for my life. I want to do God's perfect will. And I always say, well, God love your heart. But God's will is not about something you do. God's will is about someone you become. So which job should I take? Which one will help you to become more conformed to the likeness of his son? Which town should I live in? Which one will help you become more like Jesus? Which church should I go to? Which one will help you get closer to the God who will help you overcome the spirit of fear? Which one? That's the one. That's the will of God for your life, that you be conformed to the likeness of his son. Anybody arrived yet? We all got room to grow. We've got a place to go. So if you want to overcome your fear, seek the Lord. Know that he knows everything. He cares about everything. And even when you don't know what the future holds, you can trust that he does. And he will weave it into a pattern for good. Is this making sense?
Is that helpful? I hope it is when fear starts to rise. I said there were three promises, and I just saw the clock, so we've got to pick up the pace. Promise number two is God promised to provide a way out when I'm tempted. The reason I include that one is because temptation is a reality of the human condition as much as fear of the future can be. Is that true? Anybody here ever tempted to do something, and when that temptation comes, you go, oh, man, I thought I was past that. Anybody? I see a couple honest hands. The rest of you lying in church. I don't get it. Well, it just ain't cool to raise your hand in church, right? Here's what I, I don't want to discourage you, but here's what you need to know. Once you demonstrate a weakness in an area of your life, Satan knows it. He can't read your mind, but he can see your actions. And once you demonstrate a weakness in a given area of your life, he now knows your hot button, and he will push it the rest of your life. That's what he does every chance he gets. So if you've had trouble controlling your temper, don't be surprised if Satan attacks you at that point. Don't be surprised by that. If you have a proclivity toward divinity fudge, you'll probably struggle with overeating. I mean, that's just, that's reality. Now, hear me. I did not say you will lose your temper. I did not say you will be overweight. You can overcome. Say that again. You can overcome. Say it with me. I can overcome. Got it? Just don't be surprised if Satan works that point in your life. That's what he does. The problem with that, and the reason I raise that issue, is that when you've broken free, when you've overcome from one of the hurts or the habits or the hang-ups of your life, don't be surprised when Satan whispers in your ear, you think you're past it, but you're going to relapse. You think you're better, but you're going to fall back into those same old patterns. And if you listen to him, if you listen to the, to the liar of liars, the accuser of the saints, the Bible calls him, every time you listen to him, fear will begin to rise. What if I do relapse? What if I do fall back into old patterns? God sent me here today to tell you when those temptations come, don't worry, God's got your back. He'll direct you when you're uncertain, and he'll make a way of escape when you're under those attacks. It will happen. You can trust his promise. Here's how I know. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep temptation from becoming so strong you can't stand up against it. For God has promised this and will do what he says. He will show you how to escape. You see the three parts of that passage? Do you see three? Part number one is what? Here we go. Temptation is, say it with me, temptation is irresistible. What does, that, what does that mean? It means you can't stop temptation from happening. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. He just didn't fall to any of them. You can't stop temptation any more than you can stop birds from flying over your head. You can stop birds from building a nest in your hair, but you can't stop them from flying over your head. Got it? Number two, what does it say? He will keep that temptation from being so strong that you can't stand up against it. In other words, everything that happens in your life, everything that happens in your life is father-filtered. He knows what you can withstand, and he will not let it be more than you can withstand. That's what he's promised. Number three, what's the third part? He will show you how to escape. I've been doing this pastor thing for 
40 none of your business years. And uh, I have seen this one lived out. I've lived it. And I've seen it lived out in so many people's lives over the year. But my favorite illustration of it is a lady, the church that we served in Virginia, who came bursting into my office one day. She was in her 30s. And she had been raped when she was 16. She burst into my office one day beside herself, weeping. And yes, she'd had a tough journey uh, from 16 to 36. had been a tough 20 years for her, and she was still working on her healing. But she had come to the Lord. She and her husband both had come to the Lord and come to the church. She came bursting in, and she said, I saw him today. I saw him. It took me forever to get her calmed down. When she finally did, she said, I saw him today. I saw him for the first time. I was walking through Food Line, just buying groceries, minding my own business. And there he was in the aisle standing right there in front of me and I said what did you do she said well what I wanted to do was grab two cans of peas climb up on his back and bash his brains in I said I get that I, I get that but I didn't ask you what you wanted to do I asked you what you did she said I left my grocery cart right there and I came here and I said why do you think called her name why do you think God allowed him to be in your path today he's been out of prison for five years he's been right here in this community for five years why today and not over the last five years she said because he doesn't love me anymore that's why I said no 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 Two years ago, you and your husband came to church. Two years ago, you and your husband gave your hearts to the Lord. Two years ago, you began to grow and to begin to heal. And today, he knew you were ready to peel one more layer of the onion back in your own healing. And he put that guy in your path so that you could go to the next step of healing. He knew you would come to a safe place of refuge. And her healing went to the next level. Why? Because she sought the Lord. And she got in a safe place called the church, the body of Christ. There she found safe refuge. And God made sure that it was never more than she could handle until she was strong enough to handle it. And then he made a way of escape. Please keep that in mind when Satan starts whispering in your ears that you're going to fall back into old patterns. You're going to start drinking again. You're going to start using again. You're going to start cursing again. You're going to start you know, uh, losing your temple again. You're going to start whatever it is that you've broken free from. You're going to start that junk again. Hear me. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. John chapter 8, verse 35 and 6. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So when Satan comes after you, say out loud, I don't care if you're in food lion. Say out loud, get out of here, loser. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I am not a slave. I am free from that. You have no authority in my life. Watch yourself begin to rise above the fear that he's trying to plant in your heart. Promise number three. He's promised to comfort me even when I'm overwhelmed. He's promised to be with me even when life is throwing so much stuff at me, I'm wondering how in the world 
am I going to ever deal with these realities? You ever, you ever been there? Yeah, we all have. You can, you can imagine how I've been feeling since last Tuesday. I mean, how do you, I'm honored by the invitation by the senior leadership team and the elders, but, but how do you follow a pastor who's been here 27 years? Most of the people in this church, Farrell's the only pastor they've ever had. And add to that, Farrell is, he's one of those pastors that's known all across the world by one name. I mean, you've got Cher, Oprah, and Farrell. I mean, <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you follow that? I mean, just the sense of overwhelm. I've been fighting this image in my mind for some time, and it's beginning to, to fade. But for a few days there, uh, and the prayer team's given me some real affirmation and encouragement that's helped me to deal with that. Uh, I'm serious. The prayer team has really helped me through this because there's been this image in my mind early on that 20 years from now, because Farrell and I have been friends for, for 40 years, uh, went to Bible college together in the 70s. Um, uh, he's, he's at Starbucks, and I'm going to visit him 20 years from now. He's sitting at the table in the back, and I'm coming through the front door in my walker. And as I come through the front door, I hear somebody say, hey, look, that guy sitting in the back is the guy that built the bridge. And that guy coming in the front door is the guy that near about killed it. <laughs> That's what Satan does. He throws this stuff at you. And before you know it, you're feeling so overwhelmed by the responsibilities of life. Everything in you wants to just shut down and say, forget about it. But hear me, God has promised that even when we're uncertain about the future, he's not and he will guide your path day by day. When you're not sure what to do and you feel like you're going to fail, he's not. He said, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're not a slave. You don't have to listen to what Satan's whispering in your ear. And even when you feel like a tidal wave is coming, here's what he says, Isaiah 43, 2 and 3, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross rivers, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames hurt you, because I, the Lord, am your God, and you are precious to me. Do not be afraid. And just in case you're thinking, I don't know, Pastor Jim, I know you say God is faithful, and I know I can, you tell me I can trust his promises but but i'm facing some pretty scary challenges next week and and he hasn't sent me any strength yet what do you got to say about that here's what i got to say god hasn't sent you strength for next week because it isn't next week here's what jesus said matthew chapter 6 verse 34 don't be anxious about tomorrow god will take care of your tomorrow too live what does it say one day at a time. I like the way the NIV paraphrases that are translates that each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get an amen in the house? Why is that important? Because when we feel overwhelmed, fear starts to rise up. And when fear starts to rise up, we feel paralyzed by what might happen. Have you figured out yet that 80% of what you worry about never even happens? But you've been paralyzed by it, even though it never actually happens? What if? Well, what if? Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What, what if? What, what, what if? What if? What? God said, when the day comes that you need strength, I will give you strength. Now, why is that important? Because when you allow fear to rise up, you, you block God's guidance. When fear begins to define how you look at life, you, 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 you can't see the way of escape that he's providing. 
When fear begins to rise up, you can't feel or sense his presence anymore because fear overwhelms it. And before you know it, before you know it, hear my warning, before you know it, you will find yourself going to places for guidance and escape that you never trusted before. You'll find yourself struggling with temptations that you never struggled with before. You'll find yourself bailing out on the very thing that God prepared you for simply because you allowed the spirit of fear to rise up instead of seeking the Lord who provides the spirit of love and of power and of sound mind. So it's vital, it's critical, it's huge to know that God knows everything about everything, that he has this great plan for your life. And yes, he gives you freedom of choice. At the same time, he maneuvers those choices to fulfill his plan. And he can be trusted to direct you, to provide for you, and he will walk with you day by day by day, providing you all the strength that you need for that day. Can I tell you that if two years ago you had said to me, Jim, God is going to move you from the place you've been living for 25 years to your wife's hometown, and he's going to put you in a position in a church that two years hence is going to need an interim senior pastor who has experience at leading a large church, I would have said, no way. No way. Never crossed my mind. Never crossed Kim's mind that we would be in the position that we're in right now. We just moved to Goldsboro to be near our aging mamas and went looking for a church to worship in. When we first got here, I said to Kim, in fact, Kim said to me, what are you going to do? Now that we're at the bridge, I said, I don't know. Just whatever they ask me to do, I'm going to say yes. I, it's whatever they ask, that's what I'm going to ask. So the first thing they asked me to do was to be an usher. So I served one Sunday morning as an usher. I've never been asked again. I don't know. <laughs> Miss Valerie didn't like the way I did it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it was because I shook the basket under the guy's nose and said, that's all you got? Come on. <laughs> Cough it up, buddy. Reach into the pocket of the guy beside you and give like you always wanted to. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's why they didn't ask me anymore, but... Then they asked me if I would teach leadership to the staff, and I said yes. And then they asked me when Pastor Jeremy uh, felt God's leading to move to Durham, said, would you become the interim campus pastor of Goldsboro? And I said yes. And then they said, would you consider becoming the interim senior pastor of the church? Well, we take our time to hear from God and find who's the long-term pastor for our next church. And I simply said yes. Why? Because I decided a long time ago that I will not let fear define my decisions do I get scared somebody say yes I've got a wooden plaque that I hang on my wall that simply says dare to fail why because every time I come to one of these places in life I find myself going I'm not up to that I've come to understand that if I will trust God's promises he knows everything he has a great plan for my life, and he can be trusted to guide me 
provide for me and give me all the strength I need every day. And he's made the same promise to you. The only question is will you take David's approach to your fears? I sought the Lord and he answered me. Here's what I know. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Read it with me. I want you to read it together. I want you to hear yourself reading these words, God's word. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. The Bible says God is love. Not God has it. Not just God gives it. God is love. And the closer you get to him, the less room there is in your heart for fear. Lean into him. I don't know where you are spiritually. God brought you here today, I believe, to hear this message. And I don't know if you're walking close to the Lord in this deep intimacy with him, or if maybe you're not even sure you believe what I've been saying today. But I can tell you the truth. God brought you here to hear these words. His love will drive out the fears that have been plaguing you if you'll let him. Can we pray that prayer together? Can we do that? Bow with me. Lord, we just pause in your presence. Remind ourselves that we don't have what it takes inside of us to overcome the fears, the uncertainties, the temptations, the sense of inadequacy that is inherent in the human condition. We don't have what it takes to do that. The answer is not psychological, it's not physiological, the answer is spiritual. Something down deep in our spirit has to really trust and believe that you, the God of the universe, really does love us. And you really do have a plan for our lives. And you really will walk with us no matter what we face in life. So I pray right now in the quietness of this moment that you'd speak to every one of us with that simple truth. We invited, Holy Spirit, your presence here. Make yourself real to us right now. We thank you in advance for the way you're going to replace the spirit of fear with the spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind when we do. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. I'm going to let you go, but I'd, I would love for you to pray a prayer with me if you would. You can pray it silently. You can pray it out loud. It's up to you, but you can pray it in your own words, but... Would you pray a simple prayer with me? God, I don't want fear to define my life. I don't want to be a coward like Pilate was. I want everything you have for me. So I choose to let you guide me Comfort me and empower me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name.